Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. Greetings, oddities. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Oddcast featuring the Odd Man Out. It might help if I get into this mic a little bit more here. Thank you for joining me, and I want to thank everyone who's been on the show since the start. I never thought I'd have a podcast of my own, let alone make it to 100 episodes. And you know, they say the average podcast is something like four episodes before people usually give up. So 100 is not too bad, and thank you to everyone who's had me on their show as well, and everyone who has shared the show and told others about it. Thank you so much. I thought I'd do something more lighthearted for the 100th episode, and so I put out on Instagram and Twitter, hey, ask me a question, and I'll try to answer it on the 100th. And so a few people reached out to me. And so, you know, I know it's kind of cheesy to do the whole question and answer thing, but I've never done anything like that. And so why not? So to get right to it, Acricom on Instagram asked me, odd man, what's your favorite beer? Now, most of you don't know, but I am a bit of an ale connoisseur and I like the porters and the stouts and the brown ales and such. And I've had many of them. I like to try different ones. You know, I like to get the mixed packs. I'll stop in at a, a brewery or two if I'm in a town I've never been to and try theirs and see what it's like. And I do these little reviews on Untapped and things like that. But it's not a big deal, you know. I don't try to promote getting drunk or anything like that because I just like the taste. I actually like the taste of porters and stouts, which it's an acquired taste and most people do not like them. And I understand that. I kind of wish I didn't because they're packed with calories. Actually, Guinness is not. It's only like maybe 130 calories, but uh, a lot of them are. And they have all these different types, you know, 
uh, honey and peanut butter and chocolate and vanilla. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's endless what people have come up with. So anyway, uh, that's kind of a hard one, Acricom. I, I've had so many good ones. Um, one of my favorites is a brewery, one of the oldest in jolly old England, is uh, Samuel Smith's. And their, everything that I've had by them has been fantastic. But I would have to say their oatmeal stout is probably my favorite. Um, and they have a hazelnut brown that's really good. Um, but like I said, there's so many out there. Uh, one of my favorites actually is a, a local one here to Tennessee. And it's the Winter Porter by a brewery named Yeehaw. And uh, it's really, really good. Uh, we got some great breweries here in my town and in my state. But... I imagine all over the U.S. and all over the world. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my uh, answer. I'm sorry it couldn't be more straightforward. Uh, so, Hater Dave is he's been a great friend to the show. He and his son actually came by, uh, and they they were in town. They live up north, and they came in town for a couple of days, and they actually. You know, they hollered at me and said, hey, you want to grab some food? And I said, awesome, let's do it. And so we did. And Dave brought me some cool books. And it was just an awesome time uh, to meet someone like that. And he's been a real supporter of the show and, and talked to me in messaging and stuff like that and gave me some good ideas. And we've discussed things back and forth. So thank you, Hater Dave. Uh, the Craziest Conspiracy, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Um, there's so many conspiracies out there you know um probably something like the moon is actually a light that they turn on and off uh something like that i mean i'd, have, I'd really have to think deeply about that the, the absolute craziest you know there's the lizard people conspiracy um you know the conspiracy that the catholic church are uh, are actually jews and uh you know so many different ones so I would say, though, the moon turning, the moon being a light that's turned on and off, it, it rates up there pretty high. Um, I'm actually not, I don't actually consider myself a conspiracy theorist. Now, when, when I started the show, I did kind of uh, consider myself in that genre, but I don't anymore. I feel like I'm a poor man's historian, and I like to just uh, bring about information and see what I can prove and disprove. And I like to, uh, take on conspiracies, you know, classic conspiracies and really dive deeper and see what's true, what's not true, what we can prove, what we can't. And so I just consider myself more into hidden history, suppressed history, but I do enjoy some conspiracies and many conspiracies have truth to them. So thank you, Hater Day, for that question. What else we got here? Uh, my favorite guest. What's been my favorite guest? And that's a hard one because you don't want to hurt any, anybody's feelings. Um, so it's hard to uh, kind of say that. But I will say, and this is probably not the fan's favorite, but uh, I really have enjoyed having Charles Savoy on to talk about the Pilgrims Society because he's old school. He's very eccentric. Uh, but he knows so much. I mean, he's been looking into this group for 
well, since the 70s, early 70s. So uh, he's really got so much hidden history there that you're not going to find really anywhere else. And I think it makes him unique. So he's probably been my favorite. But I've been, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure to have some really cool people on. Uh, Gary Wayne, uh, Ken Ami, um, you know, I've, I've uh, had NY Patriot on. Uh, so many good ones. And I'm very picky about who I have on. As you guys have noticed, I hardly have guests on because I am so picky about it. Uh, I could be one of those guys that just has a guest on all the time. And that's kind of my main focus. And that's cool. It, it takes a, a, a certain amount of talent to be a good host. And I'm not a great host when I have a guest on, as you guys have noticed. I think I fare better on my own. But I do like to have these guys on who are very intelligent and very well-versed in whatever field that they have looked into. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, are there any conspiracies you've looked into expecting them to be false, but they actually had legitimacy or just the opposite? Oh gosh, every, nearly every conspiracy I've ever looked into had legitimacy. And that's the thing a lot of these conspiracies or so-called uh, start out with truth. And over time they get embellished, you know, people add to them. It's just like, you know, stories from old, old wives tales and things like that. And, and legends, they grow and they grow and they grow because they go through different people, different societies and people add and take away. But, um, I think, um, that's a, that's another good one. Like the conspiracy of the new world order, which is kind of my, that's kind of my beef or my uh, specialty, I guess you'd say. That's what I'm into the most. And I think it's provable, very provable. And I say it's the one provable conspiracy. And it's not exactly that all groups are connected, all globalist groups, but they have very similar goals. And, you know, you even go back to the Bavarian, Illumi the Bavarian Illuminati, excuse me. Um, yeah, and they have a lot of the same goals that the globalists have today. And that's why you hear a lot of these suggestions that it's been this one big conspiracy for years and years and years. But, um, that's just it. You know, all conspiracies, I think, for the most part, have some truth to them. And so, you know, that's that's just one of those things that I've learned. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I do this, because like the more I dig, the more I see that, oh, that's where that that's where that conspiracy came from. Or that's where that legend or, you know, that rumor came from. There is usually, you know, truth to it. Like we talk about, you know kind of the typical right-wing thing is to say that, uh, you know, the education system is full of socialists and it's kind of laughed off because we've heard it so much. It really is. It was started by Fabian socialists. It was started by people who wanted to create a one world government. Uh, you know, higher ed was started by the skull and bone society, John Johns Hopkins. Uh, so many of these colleges are connected to, the intel community, uh, secret societies, the banking elite, and the monopoly industrialists. So 
a lot of these conspiracies are not conspiracy at all. There's a, a lot of truth to them. And now that doesn't mean that everyone is in cahoots and everyone agrees on every single thing. But it just means that we're pretty simple as humans and greed and power, lust, the longing to destroy your enemies or destroy competition. I mean, those are simple things that we've, it's just a part of who we are. And so that's another reason why a lot of these groups have things in common. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so that's one thing that I've really learned to be so true since I've started doing this. Um, you know, it's just amazing how you look into certain subjects and you're not sure what you're going to find. And uh, usually it's worse than you thought it would be. You know, talking about the Bush family, you know, I, I've admitted that I supported George W. Bush early on because I believed all the 9-11 stuff at first. I, I wasn't into politics whatsoever, so I was fooled by all that. And uh, the more you look into the Bush family, especially Prescott Bush, the grandfather of George W., the father of H.W., and then look also into H.W., who many think he was a CIA asset long before he became the head of the CIA. And I believe that's probably true. But these guys, their, their life, uh, not so much George W., but uh, certainly his father and his grandfather, it really reads like almost like a, a spy novel or something. I mean, not that they were spies exactly, but they were connected to this network of, uh, you know, goes back to the Skull and Bones and then the Council on Foreign Relations and the Chatham Houses and all that. Uh, these guys, these industrialists and these bankers who joined together and, and swore these blood oaths to one another and enriched one another. And so it goes deep. It goes very, very deep back to the Nazis supporting Hitler and all that good stuff. So a lot of the things that's been said by the about the Bush family uh, hasn't went far enough. I mean, those guys have been deep into some very evil, shady things. And that's what greed and lust for power will do for you. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, most conspiracies have truth to them. Uh, I can't really think of any that I've looked into that didn't have at least some truth. Uh, of course, like I said, people embellish, people make up things. And, you know, the intel community is famous for uh, kind of infiltrating conspiracies, infiltrating certain things and putting false information out there there or uh, disinformation out there to throw people off the path. So we have to take that into consideration as well. Uh, what else we got here? What one thing that you've discovered uh, has blown your mind? Uh Wow. What has blown my mind? Uh, I guess looking back at how deep the secret societies go in our culture um, and how important they have been and how I believe they're important worldwide as well. Um, one thing that's blown my mind really is the fact that everything, there's been so much hidden from the public and the average people have no idea. Uh, they're just clueless about it. 
And so that has blown my mind because I keep finding out more and more and more. I think that's why some people don't look into things because they, A, don't want to be excommunicated from society and B, they're afraid they're going to find out some things that's really going to disturb them. And uh, it's very hard to do this kind of research and stay with these kind of subjects. I could do something funny. I could do something lighthearted all the time. And I would probably be much healthier mentally and spiritually. It's heavy, man. It's heavy. You got to get away from it. You can't stay with it all the time. You got to take some breaks. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Is that a that's a vague answer for that? Um, but I can't think of anything specifically. Um, a lot of things, you know, have been surprising to me over the years. Just the connections. You know, you think. Um, that this group or this individual would never be connected to this other because they're supposedly their uh, politics are uh, antithesis of one another. But um, yeah, that's not true in politics, in the world, in, in business. A lot of these, these uh, titles and these labels mean nothing. And uh, that's one thing that's really, really become clear to me. And, the average people are so conditioned to think only Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, that whole thing, that it's really uh, kept them from actually thinking clearly and using critical thinking. They just make up their minds, you know, knee-jerk reactions. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this on the show, but with the uh, technology that we have with social media and such, uh, Cambridge Analytica and those kinds of things, Facebook, of course, and uh, they know exactly how to control us. They know what we're going to say or do before we even do it. And they have, they have conditioned us to be so divided that, as I always say, a president or a political figure can say something or enact something. And by doing that, he controls both sides. And the same with news headlines, you know, pundits can say or do something and People automatically react. They don't ever stop to think, am I, am I being controlled? Am I being expected to have this exact reaction? Uh, you know, that's too much for us. Uh, people don't want to peel the onion back. You know, they want to take that one layer that the, their favorite pundit t tells them and they take that for gospel. And they don't want to ever think about how their side, you know, could be connected to to bad things, to bad deeds, to bad groups. It's always the opposition. The opposition is always 1984, but never our own camp. And uh, even if it's happening right in front of us, we'll turn a blind eye to it. So, yeah. Um, what else we got here? Would I ever do a show with Jay Dyer? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd do a show with him. Uh, I don't think he'd do a show with me. He's too big. And we had a little tiff a while back. that was really stupid, but I respect his work and he's a great researcher. So yeah, I would do a show with him. Um, let's see. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the symbiotic relationship between the left and the right. Um, I think that's another thing that's blown my mind. I should have mentioned that is really the, the fact that the two factions work off of one another. And it's just like, I try to make this simple. Uh, you guys that listen all the time know what I'm going to say probably, but like, you know, you can, 
just what I was saying a, a few minutes ago, uh, one headline can control both sides, the reactions and whatnot. Uh, the when you have a Democrat in office, as far as a president goes, or they're in charge, uh, the the right wing talk radio and Fox News they benefit, and it's vice versa. And we're seeing that you know now with the, the Biden in office, you know CNN and uh, MSNBC aren't doing nearly as well. So that's that thing kind of uh, it opened my eyes. I mean, I should have known it before, but. Um, you know, it's out there. A lot of things are out there in plain sight, hidden in plain sight, right? Uh, moral Bob. But, um, you know, if we just open our eyes and we get away from the headlines and the uh, constant turmoil and chaos, we can see a lot of this stuff going on. A lot of it just goes back to good old fashioned common sense. Uh, and we've lost that in, in a big way, and we're not thinking clearly anymore. We think in terms of party, think in terms of uh, you know who we're you know tied to, and uh, you know that's what they want because it does make us so much easier to control. So we have to think who's behind these these headlines, and how am I how am I supposed to react to this, and should I be reacting this way, and is there more to the story? Um, you know, but they have a symbiotic relationship, the right and the left. It's, it's almost, um, I mean, one couldn't be without the other. And, uh, you know, if there was only one party, for instance, people would start to get wise to a lot of these, these shenanigans going on by the federal government and the cronyism and, and the way things are controlled. Uh, you know, a lot, I would say, a lot of the inner uh, party rhetoric, inner party slogans, inner party thought is manufactured to control us and keep us from looking deeper into the situation. So you got two parties, both sides will blindly defend them almost always. And so that really you keep one side always propped up at all times or both sides always propped up at all times by their own people, not willing to do any uh, looking around and investigating inside their own factions. And so that it all works together hand in hand to keep people fooled and to keep them from doing their own research and looking deeper into things. I mean, ideally, when people learn how the Federal Reserve was put together, as cliche as that sounds, our money means everything. So when people learned that, uh, the people should have come together and realized, oh, it's a work. It's they're, they're fooling us. They're screwing us over on, you know, on both sides. Uh, but people can't come together. In fact, you know, the the whole Federal Reserve thing is seen as kind of a conspiracy theory to the left when the left should be against that whole thing more than anybody if they really stood for what they claim they stand for. And, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the, the question about, uh, you know, it said, uh, are there any things that have shocked you or whatever surprised you? Uh, that's another thing that surprised me is the fact that I've learned that the uh, left and the progressives have had big money behind them uh, since the beginning. And they've done such a great job of convincing people that they're for the downtrodden and therefore the uh, immigrants and different things like that. Um, and I have to think that uh, 
the Republicans go along with that. Uh, I think that they are they're fine with that because a lot of this is psychological warfare. So I think we need to think about that um, because that's just another way to work us over. You know, we need one side always thinking the other side is the epitome of evil. So they'll be obedient, obedient to their side. My mouth is dry, guys. I got to get some water. So, yeah, that's been a surprise to me that the, the left has had so much money behind them ever since. And you'll really see that. Uh, you can go back and listen to my episode of Bankers Love Communism. But the new episode next week, it's going to be the Fabian Society Part 2. And that one, it really gets into detail about how the, uh, the Fabian Socialists have had big money behind them uh, since the start. And they started in 1884, so that's a long time. Uh, and that was one of their main things is to uh, get big moneyed powers behind them. So I won't go into detail, but uh, that's been a big surprise. You know, we're controlled to think, you know, of course, Republicans rich, Democrats poor, and uh, things are not that way. And of course, it doesn't take much looking to even see that when you look at, um, you know, Hollywood, the entertainment industry in general, and now how all these woke companies are uh, kind of coming out of the shadows and showing their true colors. I mean, these big bankers and these uh, industrialists have been behind some of the worst, most liberal, not liberal, even uh, progressive so-called legislation ever. And it's always for the greater good, but you have to look past those slogans and uh, see who it actually benefits in the long run. And that just goes to how I talk about how these large companies, you know, they're writing a lot of the legislation. We know our reps don't even read the bills a lot of times. So the lobbyists for these companies are writing the legislation and uh, the bankers and the Wall Street gang, and they do it to benefit them and their cronies in, in the network. And that's why the Council on Foreign Relations was formed and Chatham House was formed. Go look at the CFR corporate roster. Go look at the Chatham House corporate roster. You're going to see a lot of these companies that are playing a huge part in the Great Reset. Imagine that. Big surprise there. But, uh, you know, that's just the way things work. Uh, The whole of the uh, 20th century was built by these Pilgrim Society members, these uh, Council on Foreign Relations members and Bilderberg members and different members of these organizations. Uh, and the Rockefeller Foundation and the, you know, the, the Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the Carnegie Endowment. I mean, these Rockefellers and Carnegies have so many various organizations, uh, tax-exempt groups and whatnot. Uh, that's a, that's a been a, a big eye-opener for me because that was new to me. I'm just a dumb guy that uh, was in a rock band. I'm not a scholar or anything, so I've had to learn a lot of this stuff. And uh, philanthropy is... Uh, is the way that these billionaires, these very wealthy individuals and, and groups and companies and families, uh, it's the way they save money. They, they don't have to pay taxes and they also get this, uh, you know, they, 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 it's great PR for one, if they have some kind of 
so-called philanthropic group, but also they get influence over the education system, over legislation and policymaking and all these different things. So they learned how to work the system. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's been an eye-opener there that uh, these the, the network has controlled so much, you know. When we get back to education, uh, education's been huge because that molds the minds of the future. And so the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and the different ones have had a huge influence on that, still do. And, uh, you know, like over in Israel, the Rothschilds have uh, done that with their uh, different organizations uh, since, you know, even before the, you know, the, the modern state of Israel. So these uh, very rich, wealthy people control the narrative and they control the education and they control the news because they, ha- they own the news. Uh, so that's huge. That's huge. And um, for any of you new people that might be listening to this, I always recommend it. It sounds cliche, but go back and read Bernays propaganda in uh, crystallizing public opinion. Uh, go back and read uh, Jacques Ellul's, uh it's called Propaganda, The Formation of Men's Attitudes. It's a much thicker book and more, um, it's more intricate and complex. But uh, those are just two that are really well written that show you they know how to control us and have known how to control us for over 100 years anyway. And the more technology moves forward, the more control they have because they keep finding different unique ways to manipulate us. So used to you had word of mouth or then the newspaper and then radio and TV. And uh, now you have vast, uh, you know, platforms on the internet to, to control people. So it just goes on and on and on. They know how to do it. They know how to do it. They know how to work us over. And, you know, I mentioned Cambridge Analytica and how that whole thing came out and how, Trump knew the exact slogans to say and exactly how to get people behind him. And um, thanks to Cambridge Analytica, technology, social sciences. Remember, the London School of Economics, started by the Fabians, is actually the London School of Economics and Social Sciences. Uh, it's very important to learn how to control people. And that's, uh, that's just, you know, common sense, of course. And the cycle... The psychological aspects of politics has been a surprise, too, because that was new to me. You know, we're inundated with psychological warfare all the time. And, uh, you know, I have pushed that one episode. Uh, I think it's what did I call it? The psychology or the um, oh, the tactics of psychological warfare. So, yeah, it's it was my second episode then i did a remaster of it and added some more uh some more uh samples in there so i think that's episode 97 please go back and listen to that to that one if you haven't because it tells you in there that when the uh intel guys and the you know whether that be you know the three letter agency or one of the other three letter agencies um, or the military go into these countries, they know exactly how to start an uprising. And if there's, you know, if there's any problems whatsoever, they will exacerbate them. They will, uh, 
you know, they will pour salt into the wounds and they know exactly how to stage a coup. I mean, and so we, we are seeing that uh, January 6th. That's what that was. That's what Charlottesville was. Um, all these different things. America's a huge, huge country. And so, you know, you're not going to take America by one or two actions, but you've got to slowly over time manipulate the, you know, the public's mind enough to where you can control enough of the people that they will be against the minority. And uh, then, you know, you can rule and the minority will just overlook whatever the regime is doing. And, you know, think back to World War II if you want to. Um, and, and we could go into that. And one of these days we will hit World War II and talk about the inconsistencies of the, uh, you know, of the, uh, the mainstream idea of World War II and what was behind it. And we'll probably go back eventually to the Civil War in the U.S. and talk about some of the things that were really behind that that, you know, that were not taught in school. But, you know, some of you guys know all about this stuff. But uh, anyway, that's a whole nother ball game. But the power of suggestion is so, so big. You know, that's uh, been another eye opener for me. Um, the news can put something out. And then, in uh, and, and like, just go back to January 6th again. Uh, people can be tricked by the thousands into doing things and thinking they're the right thing for them to do. Uh, so we have to remember that that's another thing with media and the news having that much power over us. And these pundits and these, uh, a, a lot of these guys that came up under Trump, you know, you saw so many of these new pundits uh, come up under Trump out of nowhere, basically, because they were capitalizing on the MAGA movement. How many of them had consistent, you know, had to, how many of them really stood for anything besides just standing for a character, which I believe that Trump mostly was just a character. Um, and how many of them were controlled opposition and how many of them were working for the FBI or the uh, CIA or uh, Mossad, or whatever. So uh, that's another thing we have to uh, ask ourselves. And we have to realize that we, too, can be, uh, even in the conspiracy alternate media, alternate <laughs> alternative media community, we can be fooled easily, too, with this uh, psychology and uh, the power of suggestion. So we have to back away. It You really need to get away from things and like I'm trying to, before I tweet something out, not that I've got a big following, but before I tweet something out, I see, especially if I'm going to react to somebody else's tweet, uh, I try to step back and think for a few minutes because am I reacting on emotion? And am I, am I, am I going to regret this tweet? Does it actually make sense? Am I reacting the way they want me to? Um, you know, and that's why I don't really reply to a lot of people, but sometimes I fall for it and, you know, it's not always wrong. It's not always bad, but anyway, um, yeah. And reverse psychology, you know, I talk about the reverse psychology. Uh, that's something I think that's been at play a lot more than most people would ever want to believe. And it just goes back to good old fashioned division they divide us to the point where 
if they make us think the uh, opposition is for something, we're automatically against it. And that's not hard to see. That's uh, dangerous, too, because, again, revert to my uh, Fabian Society episode coming up. Um, that's one of the things that they talked about is infiltrating the opposition. And so I think that we've probably seen that a lot more than we'd ever want to believe. Uh, if people tell us what we want to hear, these leaders and these pundits, then we're with them for the most part. And even if they've been on the other side of the aisle, once they start telling us what we want to hear, well, we're pretty shallow and that's what we want. We want to have our feelings confirmed. We want to have our ideas confirmed. We don't want to have to think too much. In fact, when you say things in the modern era to provoke people into having to think about a subject, they get angry. They don't want to have to actually do any critical thinking. So that's just the times we live in. Uh, any other surprises? Mm, the Getting into the secret societies and fraternities, and uh, I think that's been a surprise because they've been in play for so very long. And they do have a lot of the similar beliefs. So if they're not connected, the fact that they do have similar beliefs uh, makes them pretty much in the same group category. Like uh, a lot of the, you know, occultist types, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say the Freemasons because, of course, they're the most popular. But, uh, you know, the Temple of Set uh, is different types. You know, they, they have certain things that they all seem to believe, and that's no absolutes. Uh, good and evil are basically equal. They equal each other out. The reconciliation of opposites. Uh, God is all and all is God. Uh, they all seem to believe in reincarnation. Uh, they all seem to believe, or most of them believe that knowledge is salvation. And, uh, you know, if you think about that, they've hidden all this knowledge and they hide and lie about so many things and they have their secret societies. And so that tells me right there that they think that they should have the knowledge and we're not worthy to have the knowledge and they have salvation and we don't. So, of course, they look at us like we're just pieces of crap that they can just walk all over and use as tax cattle. It makes sense. It all makes sense. And I'm not saying that every Mason feels that way or every even every occultist. But I think that if, if you would look at how all these groups have these similar beliefs, uh, you know, and, and, and again, if for anybody that hasn't listened to my Freemason episodes, I've tried to be pretty fair with those. Um, and I don't think that Masons are the, the main problem in the world. Uh, I think at one time they probably were, uh, a pretty big problem at the founding of the country, especially because when you have very important people in very important positions, swearing blood oaths to their lodges and to Freemasonry and their holding office, their Supreme Court justices and, and presidents and vice presidents and senators and congressmen and you know whatnot yeah that's a huge problem that's a huge problem because they're not loyal they didn't swear a blood oath to you my friends the citizens they didn't swear a blood oath to uphold the constitution and i know you can say well the constitution was made by those guys and partly it was but you have to understand that uh, they swear blood oaths to one another just like skull and bones and uh you know, got an episode coming up about Skull and Bones. I think that if anybody out there doesn't know much about them, 
They're, they've been much more important in the country than people think. So yeah, the secret societies, that was a surprise to me because when I got into this, I virtually only knew about the Freemasons and I knew very little about them. And uh, a lot of the things I did know was just like the stuff that people talk about, a lot of the old school truthers. And they just mentioned a few quotes and stuff like that by Pike and Manly P. Hall and a couple others. And they didn't uh, really delve deeply into it to see what they really meant and what they really thought. Um, you know, another thing I talk about the, uh, the whole new world order and that's the one provable conspiracy and those guys, it's all written down. It's all been documented. Their plans going back to the late 1800s, early 1900s, at least it's been very well documented. And, um, that's the fact that mainstream media and pop culture sees that whole notion of world government still as like some kind of stupid tinfoil hat conspiracy uh, is ridiculous, but it's purposeful because we've been conditioned to think that. And if you just go back and look around the time of the League of Nations, it was very well, it was very well documented that very important people wanted that uh, UNESCO and the founding of UNESCO and Julian Huxley was all about creating world government. Uh, you had all the people that started the, most of the people that were behind the U S education system. They were for a world socialist state. Uh, HG Wells wrote those books, new worlds for old and the open conspiracy and uh, the new world order about a world socialist state. You know, he was a very, very respected, still very popular author. Uh, so people like Aldous Huxley and Bertrand Russell and so many different ones. But of course, Kissinger, even in the, the modern era, Kissinger's talked about world government and world order and stuff like that. So, yeah, that whole thing is not a conspiracy whatsoever. It's very well documented. And we had the World Federalist Society or World Federalism, which we still have. But I don't think they have quite the influence that they used to. Uh, I believe that uh, Walter Cronkite, not I believe, but I know Walter Cronkite was a part of that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that whole thing is the real deal. And uh, I think they're closer to it than ever, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I want to say one thing quickly, too. I forgot to say this, but like with the, the cult secret societies, uh, believing that knowledge is salvation, you know, knowledge is nothing without discernment, without love, without um, patience, without all the virtues that I believe the original uh, Christians taught, that uh, Jesus Christ taught. So you can have all that knowledge in the world, but if you don't have all those other things, it's meaningless. And uh, the more you know, the more you don't know, you know. Um, I'll mention quickly, you know, I talked about the CFR. I mentioned the Pilgrim Society, but it's just uh, that whole network that I quickly called it the network. Uh, people call it the cadre. There's all kinds of different names for it, but You've got the Pilgrim Society, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Chatham House in England, formerly the Royal Institute of International Affairs. You have the World Affairs Council. Now, that's one that, uh, excuse me, that's one that uh, it kind of surprised me once I started looking into it. You have, I think, 96 World Affairs Councils throughout different cities 
in the United States. So they work at the local level to create uh, global globalist policies, implement globalist policies for your city. So we're, we're being hit from the local level, the state level, and of course the national level and the world level, of course, with the World Economic Forum and the Club of Rome and all these different things. But yeah, and I've got a PDF document that I've put together of connected organizations. And when I say connected, I mean really connected organizations, officially connected to the CFR and Chatham House uh, and, and the World Affairs Council. And uh, they're in other countries all over the world, even Afghanistan, even Iran, even Russia, even Germany. In fact, uh, with the German one, the... Uh, leader, the, uh, I guess you'd call it the CEO or chairperson of the, uh, uh, I think it's called DGAP, the German Council on Foreign Relations. Um, she was a former employee of CNN and also uh, Victoria Newland, who serves on the Biden administration, is also in that foreign relations committee. And it's uh, Germany. It seems like that wouldn't even be allowed. But, you know, Again, like I've said in the past, for any of you new people, our representatives can be dual citizens if other countries allow it, and they do not have to enclose that or disclose that to the American people. So it makes me wonder how many other people serving or who have served in presidential administrations and have served in the U.S. government have been dual citizens or work for these um policy institutes and think tanks in other countries. You know, it's uh, it's just a mess. It's that's one thing that I have learned if I could, you know, kind of sum it up is our world doesn't work anything like what we're made to believe in the news. Uh, you know, the loyalty we we have no idea where the loyalty lies with our representatives, with our government. Uh, that's a, a fairy tale. That's a Pollyanna Pollyanna idea to think that they want what's best for the average citizens in America. That doesn't mean every single one is evil or bad, but that means that enough are on the take uh, that it's a rotten, rotten system. Um, so there's that. It, it's, uh, and I know people think that's a crazy conspiracy, Just, but that's, a, again, the provable conspiracy. You can go to all these, like, like my PDF document, has all the links, the official links to these organizations. The ones I said are in our local cities, the ones that are in other countries. So all the top industrialists and bankers and people from the, uh, the deans of colleges and heads of colleges and uh, news people uh, and different people like that, the important people, as far as that goes, in all these different countries are a part of these organizations, which are connected to the Council on Foreign Relations and the Pilgrim Society and Chatham House, they can instantly communicate and plan things around the whole world. And of course, we know the Federal Reserve and the Bank for International Settlements, they're all connected, the IMF, the World Bank. So that's how our world is controlled. It's It works like a huge mafia. Uh, these governments, you know, you have to wonder if any of these governments are really even hostile to us to a degree. Are they just using each other's countries as boogeymen to keep their own 
people in line in molding them and conditioning them to be afraid. So that's some things that I wonder about. Uh, let's see here. We'll finish up here in just a minute. Um, oh, another thing I wanted to say quickly. The reason I believe that even the conservative and libertarians, uh, the conservative and libertarian pundits won't talk about the Council on Foreign Relations and this network, I think is the same reason basically that the uh, liberals won't. And that's because they control so much financially. Uh, they, they, uh, they are a part of all the big industries, the banking, Wall Street, and a lot of these pundits, uh, if they haven't written a book, they plan on writing a book at some point. And, you know, the network that I'm talking about, they own all the publishing houses, the big book publishing houses. So that's that's another reason they won't talk about this. Uh, and they won't talk about it also because a lot of these companies that are members of these groups, the CFR, Chatham Houses, etc., uh, they are somehow connected to the advertising that these pundits and these news shows and these uh, news companies are linked with. So you're not going to get anything real, you know, anything majorly real. They're not ever going to really peel the onion back and go deep to the core on things. You know, I think the closest I ever saw that happen on the mainstream was Glenn Beck when he was talking about Edward Bernays and he was talking about all this deep stuff. And, uh, you know, he got shit canned. <laughs> and now I think he's just a puppet. Uh, and maybe he was partly a puppet back then, but I think he's just a big puppet now. And he writes all these books. There's no way he's going to ever give you any real truth because he don't want to mess up his his book publishing contracts and mess up with his advertising. So anyway, I think we're going to finish it up there. This has been the 100th episode of the Oddcast. I love you guys so much. Thank you to my wonderful patrons for uh, you know just putting up with me and, and supporting me. Thank you to my family and my friends. Uh, thank you to everyone who has had me on their show again. Thank you especially to Alternate Current Radio. Thank you to Sporn Hesher and Ruckus and Chopper and Infidel and, and all my other peeps. Um, Mindspace Art, didn't forget you, my man. Um, thank you to the uh, Fringe Radio Network for carrying my show as well. Uh, all my friends out there, love you guys. Cheers and blessings. And remember, what am I going to say, guys? Remember. Their order is not our order. See ya. Here's to a hundred more, by the way.
Remember when this country still stood for something?